Let your spirit fill us. Let your spirit touch us. Let us once again hear from you. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. How many of you have felt the way that uh, the first part of that video started this week? You felt that way this week, yes. How many of you have felt just that that last little bit, like you're running into rest? Do you feel that way? Would you come up and preach this message today? Okay, please do, because I've got to tell you, as I was getting ready for this, as we've been talking about how do we become busier than everyone else. That's what we're talking about today in these Five easy steps to wreck your life. Bart and I feel like we have given you adequate information over the last several weeks for you to be able to wreck your lives better than anyone else in Tarrant County. You have the information now. You're ready to go, and you know how to wreck your life. But this has all been tongue-in-cheek as we've thought about what it means for us to really experience God in the midst of our own brokenness, in dealing with addiction, in, a dealing with a, in dealing with adultery, in dealing with ignoring God and becoming dissatisfied. And finally today, as we conclude this series, on how to become busier than everyone else. I feel really adequate to be able to see this as a part of my life because I struggle in this area. One of the things that Bart has shared over the last several weeks is that we seem to be sharing these things that on many times that we ourselves struggle with. And so we understand that at the bottom line of our lives is that we deal with brokenness. Unless we realize how broken we are as individuals, we cannot come to a Christ, to a Savior, in total abandonment and say, Christ, we cannot make this on our own. We need you to do this in our life. And I feel totally adequate to point to my life and go, It has been nutty and crazy. This past year, maybe more than any other year in record of my life, it really began last spring as my two daughters are moving into. One was going to be a seventh grader this year, and Kara, my oldest, was a freshman in high school. Now, you've heard all the stories of, you know, it's your busiest years when you're when you're single. It's your busiest years when you get married. It's your busiest years when you have a toddler. Well... I don't know about you, but these, this year has seemed to be the busiest year on record for our family. 
As we were talking about it last spring, Kara was beginning to talk about what sport she was going to be doing in high school. She started talking about golf. And i got to tell you, as she said that, a smile came to my face, okay? Because I'm not a golfer. Just to tell you how horrible of a golfer I am. I was in a tournament last year. I usually do one tournament a year. It's usually a church-based tournament. We're going to have one here at EVC as well. EVC on course, all right? That's what we're going to be calling it, all right? But I, I usually play in this one golf tournament each year, and I had some men that were good friends of mine. And I, to tell you how bad of a golfer I really am, I don't even own a driver, okay? Because I can't hit one, so it really doesn't matter that I own one. So I asked my friend if I could borrow his driver. And on the very first tee, I rear back. Now, I did not hit the ground. Okay, it is on record. I did not hit the ground. But when I hit that ball, the head of his nice driver, expensive driver, went click and sailing off into, yes, near water hazard, I'll just say that. On the very first hole, that's how bad of a golfer I really am. So when, when Kara said, Dad, I'm going to take golf, I'm going to be on the golf team, again, a smile came to my face because I got this view that, hey, we could learn to play golf together. I could get some tips and pointers as she's bringing those home. A nice leisurely walk out on the golf course in the afternoon to watch my daughter play golf seems like a pretty cool, relaxing, non-busy type of thing, right? Well, I was excited about that until the day she came home and said, Dad, I've decided not to be on the golf team. I'm going to be on the swim team. Okay, so that wasn't such a great change for me because it wasn't so bad because instead of being on the leisurely golf course, I saw myself in the stands, hard stands, having to sit a long time. Didn't necessarily like that. I thought about the chlorine and, you know, the chlorine smell every Saturday, going to swim meets and that type of deal. But she said... Dad, you know when practice is? I said, no, when? She said, 6 a.m. I said, oh, okay, 6 a.m. I said, how are you going to get to practice? She said, you'll be taking me to practice. <laughs> she said, Dad, it gets a little bit worse. Okay, well, how could it get a little bit worse? Well, we don't have an auditorium in our district, so that means that the bus picks me up at 545 at Richland High School. That means you're going to drive me to Richland High School. It means we've got to get up at 5.15. I said, how many days a week? She said, every day of the week. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am here to tell you that every day of the week I get up at 5.15 in the morning and drive my daughter to swim practice. I didn't even know that 5.30 existed two times on the clock, okay? <laughs> I thought it was just 5.30 in the afternoon. But this whole idea of busyness... A daughter playing volleyball, a daughter on the swim team, and Jennifer working full-time, and me working full-time, and doing all these things. But in just a little bit, you'll understand that it's not a one-up-me type of deal. But this whole issue of busyness, how do we wreck our lives? We wreck our lives sometimes through busyness. Corey Ten Boom was a phenomenal Christian woman who made it through World War II and the Holocaust in Nazi Germany, as she actually lived in Holland and protected many of the Jews who were escaping. She's been a phenomenal Christian figure while she was alive, and her quotes go beyond her life. And one of the quotes that Corey Ten Boom says is this, If the devil cannot make you bad, he will make you busy. You see, as we talk about this issue of busyness today, what we have to understand is that it is 
a ploy of Satan to get us so busy, so distracted from what God wants to do in our lives that we totally miss Him. It is a problem in our culture and in America probably more than in any other culture previous to today because we attempt to cram more in to the same amount of time than any culture out there. And for us, it means this. We have to make determinations and we have to make priorities in our life if God's going to move into our scene and we're not just going to crowd Him out. It's one of those things that becomes so difficult because it's acceptable to be the pusher, to be the one who's out on the edge, to be the one who's spending all our time doing all kinds of things in our culture is admired. And so it seems like the thing we ought to do. But that's the reason it can become one of the most challenging ways for us to wreck our life. As we've talked about adultery and addiction and ignoring God, and dissatisfaction. Those can even be things that we might look at and go, we don't want those things in our lives, so let's make sure that they don't enter into us, that we don't allow those things to wreck our life. But busyness? Busyness seems acceptable. It seems almost the norm. And that's how Satan works in our lives. You see, I believe wholeheartedly, as I've looked at the Eastern Church in China and in Indonesia and in other places of the world, The church is thriving and growing. And one of the reasons it's growing in those places is because it's persecuted. It's not easy to come to church. To actually be a part of the body of Christ might mean that you actually lay down your life. But in America, Satan has figured it out. What you do is you make everything convenient, everything easy, and he seems to lull us to sleep with our busyness. So today we're going to talk about these five easy steps to becoming busier than anyone else. Now then, if you're tuning in about now, what you're getting ready to hear is the absolute way to wreck your life. And we are so thankful that if you have come today and you are desiring no peace in your life, if you want every day of your life to be like Groundhog Day, when you wake up in the morning and you decide that yesterday seems just like today and today is going to be just like tomorrow, then here are some great steps for you to become the busiest person that you know. Number one. Write these things down. You're going to want to go over these at home, I'm sure. Number one is this. Never, never, never say no to anyone or anything. If someone asks you to do something, just simply say, Yes, how can I help you? I will be glad to take that off of your hands. Your inability to prepare means that I will go to the utmost length to do this for you. Always say yes to people. You know why, don't you? Because you are the center of everyone else's world. Everything revolves around you. If you don't do it, it won't get done. How many of us have said that wonderful phrase in our life? How many of us have said it to our spouse? In, not in jest so much. Everyone in, in life, everyone else in your life is totally incompetent of survival, and if you are not involved to say yes to everything, then absolutely life will stop as we know it today. Never, never, never say no to anyone or anything. Guilty, 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 guilty. Okay, number two, as 
These are Randy Miller's five easy steps to become busier than anyone else, and I should know. Number two, compare your schedule with others and seek to outdo them. Because this is a competitive way of life. My life is busier than yours. Reagan, I need two cell phones to keep up with my schedule. I have two laptops to keep all the things in my life under control. And a, and a paper copy backup as well. I even put people on the payroll in order to keep my life flowing as it should because I am so important. Compare your schedule. Be the ultimate one-upper. Oh, that was difficult for you? You have toddlers and your life is busy? Well, just wait. Just wait till they get in junior high. Oh, well, your junior high folks, just wait till they're in senior high and they're having to do this. Oh, just wait till you have no kids at home. Then your life can really become busy and you can start to run your grandkids everywhere else. All right? Oh, you think that's bad? Just wait till you retire because that's when you really, really get busy. Okay? So compare your life to others and your schedule. Seek to outdo them at all costs. Number three. Number three, do not live your life by priorities. Forget those things. And above all, put quality time with family absolutely last. Make sure that you do that if you want to totally wreck your life. Because let's face it, he or she married you and they understood who you were. They need to just get with the program, okay? They should know that you were busy when you married them. So, hey, they told you that they loved you at the altar. They just need to put up or shut up. That's what they, they really need to do. Don't, don't your children understand that they must unconditionally love you and that just because you don't seem to have time to throw the ball or do the little things with them like ride their bikes, that they should just understand that and love you anyway? I mean... Let the squeaky wheel get the grease. Because again, if someone calls you and needs you, then this gives you worth. And because it gives you worth, you need to drop everything and ignore those who love you most and do whatever you need to do to take care of that one little issue. Do not live your life by priorities. And above all, put family last. Number four. If you've not already achieved to be the top busiest person in your life, the number four will help you. Then live your life through your child. Make their lives as busy as yours. Did you not know that your child is going to be the one in thousands and thousands that gets that athletic scholarship? Did you not know that? That you need to participate in every select sport. Do not... Do not fall into the lie that select sports coaches actually make money off of you. Do not allow yourself to fall into that trap. And understand that your child needs to have all the extra practices. They need to go to everything. Because one day they want to grow up to be just like you. To have their lives just as busy as theirs. Just remember, the best equipment and time spent taking them to practice every night of the week, one day will pay off for you. Because they will be in the NFL not too soon, and they will buy you that home that you've always been wanting, and then they'll move into the life of broadcasting shortly after. Sarcasm is so fun. It really is. Dude, can we preach this way every week? All right. Ah, so fun. Who knew that sarcasm was so funny? 
Number five. Number five. My favorite. Convince yourself that God understands how busy you are. And just ignore your time with Him. I mean, really, think of it. God made me, so He understands that I'm going to struggle with schedule. So He really gets it that I don't really need to spend time with Him. I mean, quality time with God to actually allow His character to rub off on me? Surely He is the all-knowing one and knows that I don't have time to do such things because I'm too busy doing all these other things. Perhaps, perhaps I should place His Word underneath my pillow. Because if I do so, it will absorb into my head at night. It works so well for me in algebra. Okay, well, it sounded good at the time. Anyway, yeah, the sarcasm is a little too easy, isn't it? But those hurt. They hurt me as I wrote them because... I think I've thought just about every one of those things. Living my life through kids. Thinking, if I can just make them more successful or have more things than I had, those things that I had weren't the things that made me happy. Matter of fact, it was more often than not the things I didn't have that created the creative ability and the sarcasm that I have today. But you know, the interesting thing about time is this. Time cannot be saved. Time cannot be made. Time can only be utilized one step at a time. Time is the great leveler of all humanity. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every working person, retired person has what? The same amount of time. It is the great leveler because we have this idea that we can actually make up for time. Multitasking doesn't really exist. You can't do more than one thing at once. Matter of fact, when you try, what do you normally do? You fail. You fail at something. Take texting, for instance. Texting while you're driving. I love these commercials. And every time I'm tempted to answer that text as it's sitting there, I keep going... The last text my child sent was this. We can't multitask. All we can do when it comes to busyness in life is to understand that we all have the same amount of time. So that rather than these five things and five, five easy steps to become busier than everyone else, instead I have one word for you to remember today, okay? It is the word relax. All right, everybody say that together with me. Relax. Doesn't it even have a great sound to it when you say relax? Well, relax is going to point to five things that I want to encourage us to do. Instead of the five easy steps to wreck our life through busyness, instead it's these five things that we need to remember and to add into our life or to use in our life. You know, it's interesting. Even their church today, tends to split families apart. And it tends to create so many activities that even the church seems to divide our families at times. And I want you to know something. You have a commitment from your pastors to flow into the life of what we call simple church, 
of simply saying we want to worship God. We want to encourage you to, to live your values and disciple your family. We want to get you in a place where you are growing in your faith on your own and living this out in healthy community. But not going to a billion activities that are just other activities for you to do. But what's the first thing that we must do? The R in relax stands for this. Redeem the time wisely. Redeem the time wisely. Ephesians 5 says this. See then that you walk circumspectly. I like that word. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Ephesians 5 says this, Redeem the time wisely. Before Chuck E. Cheese, before Incredible Pizza, before even our Life Groups for Kids and Kingdom Cash, there was the principle of redemption. Do you guys remember S&H green stamps? Do you remember what those things were? Some of you younger in the crowd are going, don't have a clue what you're talking about. These are these cool little green stamps that they would roll out for you at the grocery store when you would purchase a certain amount of stuff. And you would take those stamps and collect them. And then you got this great thing in the mail or you got it from your grocery store and it had all these fabulous items that you could take your green stamps and save them up and then do what with them? Redeem them. You would utilize your green stamps to buy something else. Unless you were my wife, who growing up, she collected all these green stamps from her parents and licked them and stuck them on the TV, all across the TV. Yes, you're going to love that story. She's next service, next service. She used her parents' green stamps in just that way. But we redeem green stamps. We redeem all the little tickets at Chuck E. Cheese to get other things. But it's a beautiful picture of what Christ does for us. Christ redeemed us. He bought us back. He exchanged His life for our life. And now, Paul is saying to us in Ephesians, just like you've had this living example of Christ who redeemed His life for your life, He gave over His life to imprint His life upon yours so that God doesn't see your sin, He sees the righteousness of His Son imprinted upon your life. You've been redeemed in the same way you need to redeem your time wisely. Make the most of every opportunity and take your time and turn it in for God's glory. Which means that we have to ask ourselves this question. How do we understand what the will of the Lord is? It has answered its own question. The Bible tends to do that. The will of the Lord is that we use time wisely and that we invest it in the things that God desires for us to invest it in. Be wise and use your time wisely. So, in relax, the first thing is we are to redeem time wisely. Say that with me now. Redeem time wisely. The E stands for this. We need to enjoy what time you've been given. Enjoy what time you've been given. I'll never forget, my father had a massive, massive heart attack. Had six bypasses. My, it was up in Branson, Missouri. He should not have lived. 
my family gathered there. We walked into a pizza hut of all places, and we're sitting there all kind of just shell-shocked with what had just occurred. And the song, Live Like You Were Dying, came on. I got up, I walked to the bathroom, and boo-hooed. Okay, why? Why did I do that? Because in one moment, a song met me right where I was. I didn't know if my dad was going to make it. And as I thought about that, that moment in my life, it brought everything, all those times that I had sat with friends and family members who had lost a loved one, who were going through a terrible, difficult time, and it all phased down right to me as if the spotlight were living on me at that moment. How would it look for me to live like I was dying? It's probably not going to look like performing your bucket list. That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. But it's as if God were saying, Randy, are you living your life as if tomorrow were the last day? Those 25 folks that were baptized last week, I want to encourage you, if you're one of those, if you were one of those folks who observed it, if you weren't there but you're here this morning, that's the rest of us, enjoy the time that you've been given. You do not have a guarantee of tomorrow. Do not live for your retirement. Live this day to its fullest. Do you realize that the kingdom of God is not something that's to be lived by and by? The kingdom of God began when Jesus Christ was on the earth. And He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. So when Christ came into your life, the kingdom of God came to rest in you. And now you and I are not waiting for heaven someday to live for the glory of God. You and I live for the glory of God right now because we need to live like we're dying, not just because we are. We need to live like we should be living because the kingdom of God is at hand. Here are a couple of passages that remind us of that. Ecclesiastes 3, this is from the Good News Translation, says this, All of us should eat and drink and enjoy what we have worked for. It is God's gift. God's gift is this life that you have to live. I remember talking with teenagers and thinking about the idea that they might commit suicide and every time. And if you ever have someone that is thinking about it, especially if they're young, I would have them close their eyes and I would ask them this question. What is the greatest life that you could think of? And for girls, it used to seem to always go to them having a family. I'd say, I want you to walk in. What kind of house do you have? They'd tell me what kind of house they would have. I said, what? I want you to walk in that house. I want you to walk down. I want you to go down the hallway of that house. And they'd say, okay, I'm doing that. All right. I said, I want you to walk in that room. Tell me what your baby's wearing. They'd tell me. Is it a boy or a girl? They'd say, oh, I think it's a girl. Or I think it's a boy. And, then, and I said, as that baby stands up, I want you to tell that baby something. You tell that child why what you're going through right now is so bad that their life wasn't worth living. Because we have this perspective of life that it's all the right now. You may be here this morning, and when I say, enjoy what time you've been given, you may think my life is a hellhole right now. You don't have any clue what you're talking about in my life and enjoy the time that I've been given because my time's not very valuable to me right now. I know that's the reality of where some of us are at this morning. But this day is a gift from God to live it for His glory. 
So what are the things that He desires? And how does He want to live His life through us? Ecclesiastes 4 verse 6 says, It is better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. Do you see what that says? I love God's Word. To be busy in life trying to catch the wind with both hands. Because if you're doing that with both hands, what are you doing? You can't do anything with those hands because they're busy in life trying to catch the wind. And you can't do it. But your life and my life, so often, I guarantee you, if we would review it, looks like with both hands, we're reaching out here trying to catch the wind. I know this because I know what it is I speak about. Because I live it. I struggle with the fact that sometimes I don't enjoy the time that I have. You know what word it really comes down to? Celebrate. Celebrate the moments that you have. That time your child does something for the first time, remember it. Whatever it is, remember it. That opportunity to have that birthday party, to do that first thing, celebrate it. You know what today is in the life of EVC, of Eagles View Church? Today is a day we get to celebrate. For the work that you've put in in the previous ten years, today is a day, tonight is a night where we get to reflect and we get to celebrate. We get to enjoy the time that God has given us. So E is enjoy what time I have been given. Moving on to the L. The L is limit your labor. Can I get an amen in the house today? Limit your labor. Ecclesiastes 10.15 says, Only someone too stupid. Now don't hold back, Solomon, okay? As you're writing Ecclesiastes, don't only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. That's in the Bible. Do you like that one? Only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. This comes from the richest man who ever lived. The man who had 700 concubines and 300 wives. That is stupid, okay? (laughs) Not just to think, look, I cannot. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. It's, It's a bad opportunity, okay? Limit your labor. Exodus 20, 9 and 10 says this, You have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is a day of what? Rest. Dedicated to me. Now when Moses wrote that down, when God shared that with Moses, do you realize that the creator of the universe took six days to create everything that we see and to put it in motion, but the seventh day, he rested. God desires for us to rest. Jennifer's favorite verse is, God grants sleep to those He loves. That is one of her favorite verses. But God is a God of rest. God is not a God of frenetic activity who always has to be busy doing everything in order to keep the world turning on its axis. God presented and understanding for us that even He rested. Jesus 
in our best understanding of who God is, in God's perfect character combined with humanity, got away from everyone else and from the crowd and rested. He limited his labor. We have the account of every person that Jesus healed. We do not have an account of all the people that Jesus chose not to heal. Have you ever thought of it that way? Do you think every person that came up to Jesus that had an issue, that Jesus took care of it? I don't think He did. Jesus got from the Father what He was supposed to do. And He did it with an obedient heart. How many of the things that we have on our plates are things that we chose to be there rather than the thing God that God really has for us to do? We need to limit our labor. Psalm 127 verse 2 says this, It is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night. God wants His loved ones to get their proper rest. See, we have a bad view of how God created us and what He desired to do in us. You see, many of us believe that work was the curse in the Garden of Eden. And it was not. Do you realize that Adam and Eve were working before the fall? Go check it out. Look at it. In Genesis 2.15, it talks about that Adam was naming the animals. He was working and tilling in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Work was not the curse. The curse, when humanity chose to go against God and to take it on ourselves and to sin, the curse was that our work, the ground itself, would work against us and that we would have toil in our labor the curse was not children being born the curse was that there would be pain involved in childbirth so see we have this idea that because of the curse because of man's sin we now have to work that's not it our very identity is worked out and understood through our work But God very clearly says we need to limit that work. And we need our time to rest, to refuel, and to gain an understanding of what it is that He desires for us to do. How many of you have been in a horrible traffic snarl-up? Okay, you've been in one of those. Raise your hand. Okay, that's about everyone in here. The other night I was in one of these leaving a football game. And it was crazy because everyone coming in one side would not let anyone turn coming out. And it was like, hello, don't you guys understand that if you don't let people through, you're not going to get in. You have to have some thought of what's going down in front of you if you're going to understand, hey, it's really going to benefit you. And in those kind of traffic snarls, the same thing takes place with your time. If you don't take time to rest, to refuel, and to refocus your life, then you are going to be running frantically all the time. What does that really look like? Here are some practical steps to take with that. First of all, a time audit. Simply take paper, take a computer, whatever you want to use to do this, and keep track of the things that you do in a very typical day. Just write it down. Just like you would do in an audit if you were taking receipts and keeping track of those receipts. But take a time audit. Ask yourself, what am I doing during my day? And at the end of two weeks, as you've done that, take a look back. What are you spending your time doing? 
If you need to limit your labor, you first need to know what it is that you're doing with your time. The other thing that I would encourage you to do with that is to take one day out of the month and simply reflect back on the rest of of, of the previous month and ask yourself, God, what are the priorities, what are the things in my life that might be out of alignment? Take one day, one day to reflect back and say, God, what are the things that moving forward you want me to do? What are the things that you want to make priority in my life? L is limit your labor. A is adjust your values. Once you've spent time with God and you know what those things are, we need to adjust our values. This means that we need to live our life by priorities. Look at a couple of passages as we look at this. First of all, Ecclesiastes 4.4 says, I have also learned why people work so hard to succeed. Again, Solomon, tell us why. It is because they envy the things their neighbors have. Everything that Bart preached about last week with this dissatisfaction, that what their neighbors have, it is useless. It's like chasing the wind. We envy what our neighbors have. We want that next thing. We want that next vehicle. We want that next size house. Have we realized this? Last time I checked, you can only live in one room at a time. Have you thought about that? One room at a time. Everything else is just something you keep clean, something you heat and cool, something you play, pray or pay property taxes for. That's what those things are. We have to learn the secret of what Bart preached about last week, contentment. And we need to begin to adjust our values. Jesus said this in Mark 8:36, "What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul?" What it comes down to, and basically every message you ever hear me speak is going to come down to this. Every wedding I do, I tell the couples, it is this. It's about dying to yourself. This Christian life is not an easy thing to do because it requires my death and it requires your death. If you're going to live your life the way Christ desires for you to do, it means that you not only redeem your time, but you give over your life. You take the keys out of your pocket. I put them in my back pocket. You take the keys out of your pocket and you look at all those things that those keys represent. And you say, these are things that I own. And you say to Jesus... Jesus, what I do is I die to myself and I give you the keys to my life. They're not my keys. They're your keys. It's not my money. It's your money. It's not my time. It's your time. And we adjust our values in line with where He's called us to live. This is no easy thing that we call you to. We oftentimes will look at the Christian life and say, it is so easy. It's free. But it will cost you your life. If you want to live your life for Christ, it means you must give up your life and hand it over to Him and bring your values in line with Christ. 
How many of us, in every message that we've heard about five easy steps to wreck our lives, we've identified with it? I have. Every single message. I identify with that. What does it bring me back to? Should I just change? Should I just pray? And should I just do something and, and rely on God to do it? Yes. But it simply means I adjust and I give my life over to Christ. And when we do that, we find our final point. And that is this. Exchange your pressure for God's peace. Exchange your pressure for God's peace. Relax. Redeem your time wisely. Enjoy the time that you've been given. Limit your labor. Adjust your values accordingly. And exchange your pressure for God's peace. What does that last point really mean? It means this. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29 says this. Come to me, all you are who are weary. How many of that would be us today? How many of you are weary? And you carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. This is a yoke. It's an oxen yoke. When we read this in Scripture, we don't often have a good view of what Jesus is saying. What is He saying? Exchange my yoke for the yoke that you have. My yoke is easy and my burdens are light. You are heavy down with life. You've had religious people in your history and background that have said, you've got to do all these things Step one, step two, step three, step four. In order to live your life, you've got to do all these things. They've weighed you down with all kinds of things that you must do. But instead, all you must do is give your life over to me. Relax. What Jesus says is this. Any oxen yoke that was a dual oxen yoke would be set with for how many animals? Two. And those two animals would most always be an older, stronger ox on one side and a younger ox, inexperienced, on the other. What was happening? Discipleship. Training. Mentoring. What Jesus says to you and I is, take up my yoke because I will carry the weight. I will carry your weight. What you do is walk your life along beside me. I will teach you everything you need to know. Jesus says, take up my yoke, for my burdens are light. I will give you the wisdom to walk this way. That's the reason, that final thing of understanding that it is our time with Christ that we must live. It is that time that we spend with Him that cannot be neglected. Yes, God knows that we're busy, but He desires a walk with us that allows us to take step by step the steps that only He can show us. We're not wise enough to give you everything you need. Only God's Word is that. That's the reason. Rather than just being a Sunday where you get fed, 
that you live a life through the week where you're daily hearing what God's will is for you. Would you pray with me? Some of you this morning, if you just bow your heads, you don't have to bow your heads to pray. You don't have to close your eyes. But we do this so that we can focus on us. And some of you this morning, you've been striving. And this morning, I want to encourage you to quit striving in your own strength and give your life to walk with Christ. For some of us, as we need to do that, it would go something like this. God, I'm so tired of my own striving, my own labor. I need you to come into my life and rescue me. Come into my life today. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my yoke upon yourself. Maybe that's you today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today and you need to ask Christ to come into your life, would you just slip your hand up right now? You know that that's you today, placing your life in His. And I will encourage you just to say that prayer. Thank you for acknowledging that today. It's not words of a prayer that save you. It's the attitude of your heart. Christ, come into me. I give you the keys of my life today. Others of us, we've lived this busy life. How many of you would say today, every head bowed, every eye closed, that's my life. It was that video. You've described it to the T. I've been living my life too busy. If that's you, raise your hand, would you? Father, I just lift up these hands, and mine is included in that. God, we want to come to the end of ourselves. We want to die today to who we are that you might live in us. We want your yoke to be taken upon our life because, Father, we've not been able to carry it on our own. So, Father, I pray that you would be with those who've lifted their hands, those who are struggling even to lift their hands, Father, because they know that this represents who we are. Father, would you allow us to relax, to redeem the time, to enjoy the time, to limit our labor and adjust our values, and to exchange our work for your peace. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.